it's Jamie, and this is The Real Mom Podcast, and I have a good one for you today. I am talking to Caroline Bailey, the adoptive mom of three kids and one of my favorite bloggers. Barren to Blessed is her blog, and we just kind of jump into that barrenness. What does that mean? What does it mean to now kind of be on the other side, even though you're still in the middle of it, of feeling blessed, of seeing that God had a redemptive purpose through the story? We talk about listening to adoptee voices. We talk about infertility. We talk about our stories. We talk about adopting and the reality of loss amongst the entire adoption triad. We just had a really great conversation. I know that you are going to love getting to hear from Caroline. This is my conversation with Caroline Bailey. Hi, Caroline. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Good. Stuck in your home, I see, as we all are. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I'm actually back here in the bedroom, away from the kids, so. The one place (laughs) where maybe we won't have them in the background or mine. Yes, yes, yes. yes. (laughs) All right. So tell me who you are at home with right now. Well, right now I'm at home with my 11-year-old daughter and my 13-year-old son. My husband and my youngest son are out right now. So my husband's Bruce and my youngest son is Kelton. He's seven years old. So, Okay. And tell me a little bit about how your family became a family. (laughs) Sure. So my husband and I, we became foster parents in 2006. And the day that we were licensed, we got a call about a placement of a baby boy at the hospital, newborn. The day you were licensed. The day, well, our licensing took about nine months, which is unusual, but I think pretty symbolic, actually. I love it. Uh, Yeah. So yeah, the day we were licensed, we got a call and they called like, noon and said, Hey, there's a little baby boy at the hospital. Can you go get him? We'll call you back if we need you to. About 4.45, they called back and said, can you be at the hospital in about 20 minutes? Oh so, my word. Yeah. So we rushed up there and got him. So we fostered and then ended up adopting him. He was around 20 months. And then we fostered again, our daughter, and we ended up adopting her. So it was one of those things where the two kids placed with us both went to adoption. Which so is- that happened with our first placement as well. Mm-hmm. We had a couple of shorter term ones in between, but really our first two longer term placements went to adoption as well. And mm-hmm. it's almost like you don't realize how abnormal it is until you're at it longer. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And you know, and we did some respite in between and stuff, but after our adoption of our daughter, we both were like, should we keep going? Should we not? You know, I mean, we kind of wanted to, but we decided to go ahead and close. We both come from like, my husband's an only child and I have a sister that's six years older than me. So that kind of feels like being an only child. (laughs) And we were like, you know, we, this was good. We did for four years and we enjoyed it. We learned a lot about ourselves about all kinds of things. It was just a really good experience. We'll jump into all kinds of things later. (laughs) (laughs) We just decided to close. And so, but you know, I just had this feeling of like, God was kind of like nagging my heart a little bit, like there's going to be another one. And Mm. so much so that I ended up keeping a bunch of little boy clothes, which I kept some of my daughter's stuff too, but I really kept my son's stuff. And then in 2012, I had a family member who was kind of in a crisis situation and she was pregnant and she had the baby and he was never entered the system 
although there was reason for that he should have, but he didn't. And he bounced from home to home within family members. And Mm. finally, at seven months, we petitioned the court and we got him. And so he's biologically my third cousin. Okay. Um, Yeah. All right. So I want to jump into that a little bit just Mm -hmm. because I don't think that's something we've talked on the podcast a bunch about, but just the idea of stepping in in the way that maybe the system should have to begin with. So when you uh petitioned, was it for guardianship? It was for guardianship initially. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My aunt had him. She is my maternal aunt, but she's his biological great grandmother. The baby, well, he's not a baby anymore. He's seven. Yeah. But, and he is my first cousin's grandson. <laughs> you know, relative adoptions are interesting because yeah. biologically we're all related a certain way, but legally it's different now, but we, it doesn't really matter. But he's my cousin's grandson. And his biological mom is my second cousin. And I actually cared for her some when she was a baby. You know, I used to carry her around the mall and stuff. So it was kind of come full circle a little bit. But yeah, my aunt had him and then she got really sick. And she wasn't really going to be a long-term option anyway for him. Sure. And so together with her and my cousin, his biological mom, we agreed that my husband and I would do guardianship. And then that moved to adoption whenever my cousin realized that she couldn't give him what he needed. So she asked us to adopt. So, so was he, was he in your home before you pursued the adoption piece? So you had guardianship yes. and then, all right. So just, just walk me through like the nuts and bolts of that a little bit, because I know that that sure. is something that comes across people's journey. You know, when you become that person that people know, like, oh, we welcome kids into our yes. home and you yes. become the person who gets the call when there are kids who need a home. Yes. Yes. We had been visiting him anyway. And really to push it back even further, about two weeks after he was born, you know, his biological mom did have him for a couple of weeks and it was not a good situation. The state did get involved, but they didn't, they did what they call a diversion, which they do a lot of those in Missouri where they divert him into family without bringing him into care. In some respects, it's good in the sense that family can step up. Sure. Yeah. And do they need to do in other respects, it's bad because that means zero services for the birth parent. Right. Right. Yeah. So she had said, can you guys take him? And at that time it was late one night when she asked, I was like, I don't know. Well, that was when protective services, they were investigating, but they decided not to bring him into care. So he was being going from paternal relative to paternal relative to my aunt's house. And this entire time we had been visiting with him and, and I just knew God was I just knew it. I mean, I remember sitting on my front porch talking to my pastor, like, I just have a feeling this is going to happen. But it was almost like we wanted to wait because I believe that biological parents should have every chance. Yes. And I was really praying and hoping that my cousin would do well, which by Mm -hmm. the way, she is now. She's doing great. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. She's doing fantastic. Oh my gosh. Um, Yes. But it was like, when we knew we needed to step in, like we knew. Yeah, You know, it was like, there was just some things that would have been answered for us through prayer and just, you know, when you know, you know, I don't know. <laughs> sure, so, sure. But we had been his temporary guardians for six months. So in, in Missouri, we're in Missouri. In Missouri, you have to have a child in your home for six months before you can file for adoption. So yeah, and we, I'm, we, I'm pretty sure that's fairly common of a standard nationwide. Yeah. Yeah. So at the six month mark, we filed our petition to adopt. Okay. So he, his situation ended up being a private adoption. 
Okay. And it was all just uncontested because it was your cousin yes. and you had a relationship and she knew that this was what was best for him. Yes. Okay. Yes. So you have your three kids through adoption, sort mm -hmm. of three different ways. But if you're listening closely enough, I guess you can intuit in there that there were no biological kids before this or throughout it or after. And so the way that I right. know you actually is your blog, which it kind of gives it away right in the title, mm -hmm. Barren to Blessed. So I just want to jump <laughs> right into yeah. that. You know what? First, let me ask you this question. Barren isn't a word mm -hmm. that you hear used often these days and in our mm -hmm. circles. Can you speak to right. that word and why you use that word? Sure. So when I hear the word barren, I think of nothing being fruitful. You know, I think of like a wasteland, nothing growing out of it, you know, just a void. And so when I chose the name for my blog, it was actually kind of sort of on a whim. And I was like, how can I describe what I'm feeling about my life right now? Like, because mm. it wasn't just about, the, I guess the life lessons discovery I've had, it hasn't been just about going from not being able to have biological children to becoming a mother. Sure. It's really been also about what has God done with my life Yes, through my experiences and how has he turned that into something that is no longer void of meaning. So I know the word blessed is used a lot as well, but it just kind of rolled off my tongue. Sure. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll, I can always change the blog name. And then it just stuck. <laughs> so, well, so yeah, I, that's how I came up with the name. But I think the, the reason, again, we've never walked through infertility at all. And so I have very little to speak into this, but it kind of makes me think of the word orphan, which in our circles is not a really popular word right now. But I think yeah. the reason that that word is yeah. important yes. and beautiful is because it's where we most clearly see God speak to his heart for children who don't have parents or are vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And it's where we see our mm -hmm. call most specifically to care for them. And so I think that it's a word that even though it can evoke negative emotions for some people and it can be triggering, it's an important word because it's a biblical word. And right. I think that with barren too, I mean, just, mm -hmm. I think of the verse, you bring the barren woman healing, she'll dance mm -hmm. with joy, like the mother of mm -hmm. children. Like mm -hmm. that reminds me of what you're just saying right now. Like this isn't mm -hmm. just about going from no children to children. This is about right. going from that barrenness in all of the meaning of that word to mm -hmm. dancing with joy, like the mother of children mm -hmm. that can come just through God's redemption. I can actually pinpoint really the night that it sort of made sense to me when we were fostering our oldest son, you know, there were different times throughout our experience with him while fostering that I felt like God was speaking to me, like, girl, this is not about you. You know, mm. like really every like, foster parent needs that little, <laughs> this is not about you. Yeah. Yeah. And just sort of these little revelations along the way. Sure. But the day that we filed our petition to adopt him, I sat down that night and I wrote a letter to our former pastor who had moved to a different city to preach. And because I had been in his office a few times and cried during that experience. And I was writing him a letter and it just kind of hit me in a way like this is the unfolding of the story that started back in 1983 when I got sick and had to have my hysterectomy. 
Hmm. It was like all of it just sort of like, this has always been a plan of God, you know? And I used to reject the notion that when people would say, well, God has a plan for this. Yeah. God has a plan for this. And that's really hard to hear. And I personally still don't like when people give that kind of advice. (laughs) But when I was sitting there and like writing this letter to my pastor, it was just this revelation again that like putting the pieces together and seeing yes. how all this has unfolded is amazing whenever you can do that. Yeah. I mean, you just use the word story. And the thing that's interesting about a story is that it has a beginning and a middle and an end, mm-hmm. and we are never at the end. Right. <laughs> and so yeah. when you are in the ugly, hard, muck parts of that story, it's so hard to see how it could be beautiful, how it could be blessed on the other side. Mm-hmm. And yet yeah, we might not know the story, but we know the one who's writing it and we know the one who is ordaining it. And that's where the beauty in the midst of the story can come from. Not just like, okay, now I know the ending. Yeah. Now I know that it is good, but like, no, mm-hmm. no, I know that you're good. So mm-hmm. I know that it will be good. <laughs> And so this is a good story, Mm -hmm. even in Mm -hmm. these plot twists and character developments and all of that, that are truly difficult and bad. Mm -hmm. Definitely on the character development piece of it, because there are things about myself that I've learned (laughs) after being a parent. And I'm like, oh, I need to work on that a little bit. You know, parenting is not famous for bringing out the prettiest (laughs) parts of us. (laughs) Yes, that's true. That's true. So so. tell me a little bit more about what it's been like for you to find redemption in your story. And again, we're skirting around the barrenness part, but even just specific to not being able to have children to the, the hard parts of walking through that. Yeah. So, well, you know, I mean, I was really young when I had my hysterectomy. I was just starting I was in sixth grade. So it was like pre-adolescence really. Oh my goodness. Um, And you know, in 1983 in sixth graders, we were a lot more innocent than some sixth graders are now. So back then it was even just very shocking. So traumatic, deeply traumatic. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, because infertility was not talked about really back then either. Because it happened so sudden that my parents just followed advice of every psychologist they talked to, which back then was like, don't bring it up. Don't bring it up to her. Let her bring it up on her own, you know, which I mean, I think I can look back now and say, you know, they did the best they could. Absolutely. Um, They did the best they could with I'm okay. Right. (laughs) right. When you know better, Um, you do better. Yeah. So for me as a girl that age and then throughout high school, where I see the redemptive part is I know the things I used to tell myself about myself. (laughs) So I used to think, well, God knew you would make a horrible mother. This was, you know, God shouldn't have let this happen to you. Why did he leave you out of this? Maybe you were, you know, a horrible person in a past life. I mean, just kind of crazy stuff to be honest with you. Not crazy, but you know, your, your mind, you, you go there, you know, definitely not crazy, but, Lies, lies from our own fears and our own sinful hearts and our own just trauma, even speaking to you, let alone the enemy who Mm -hmm. wants us to believe Mm -hmm. lies. Yes. And I really think that that was a lot of it because I, from most people didn't know 
whenever they were friends with me. I mean, I had a few close friends that knew, but I was very socially outgoing. I mean, I participated in extracurricular activities. I did theater and all of that and make a grade. But I remember, I mean, I would lie in bed at night and just think these horrible things about myself. Hmm. Like, you know, well, I'll never find a man, even in high school, I remember thinking, I'll never find someone who's really going to love me because they're going to reject me at the altar. Hmm. I mean, I specifically would have those dreams and those thoughts, just lots of stuff, lots of junk. Right. And so for me, the, the redemption part came in the fact that it's almost like a, aha, you know, look what God did there. So you know, good. not only do I have a husband, I have a fantastic husband who from day one, I get emotional about my husband. I mean, I just that, um, do it, girl. We cry on this podcast. <laughs> okay. That is how we um, go. You know, we start off as friends and from day one, I just, I never had to prove myself to him. Hmm. Like never. When I think of him, it's like I, I needed a lot of grace for myself. And when I met my husband, I was still separated from God a little bit. I never fully turned my back on God, but I definitely didn't face forward to him. If that makes hmm. sense. I definitely had a lot of strong feelings about just trying to figure it all out in my head, you know? So when I met my husband, it was like, I was in need of some grace. And my mm. husband, he let me borrow his grace until I was strong enough to find it on my own. Does that make mm. sense? So yeah, I have a fantastic husband. So all these things that I built up in my mind that, sure. was, that would never happen for me. Right. All these God things proved that you he, wrong. He did. Yeah. Right. And they were, they were thoughts that really were used to separate me from God, you know? And then when nothing seemed to work, as I was getting older and seeing all of my friends start to get married and have children, and I was getting more concerned and upset, obviously, and really in despair. And I filled it with a good education. I got a good job. I tried to fill it with all these things. Right, and my right. aunt, my aunt, who happens to be my youngest son, <laughs> love it. <laughs> great grandma right. said to me, she's, you know, she's like, why don't you just come back to church? And I was like, I don't know. It's been so long since I've been in church. And, and I did. And that was really good for me. That's kind of when things started falling back into place. And I God started realizing, okay, yeah. Hey friends, just interrupting the conversation real quick to tell you about my favorite thing on the internet right now, especially for the middle of quarantine. It's called Skillshare and here's how it works. You sign up for free for a two month membership and you will gain access to classes on literally everything. When you're stuck inside, there's no better time to learn a new skill, take up a new hobby, improve some area of your work. They have everything from classes on ballet and fine art to Excel and accounting. You can learn anything for free from your home. Here's what you do. Visit realmompodcast.com slash Skillshare. That's one word, Skillshare. And sign up for a free two-month membership that you can cancel anytime. There's no obligation. But I'm pretty sure that you won't want to when you start learning and developing new skills and hobbies. I'm pretty sure that you will love Skillshare just as much as I do. Again, it's realmompodcast.com slash Skillshare. All right. So we've been talking just about your story pre-kids. Now you have a house full of three kids. So remind me again how old your kids are. They are 13, 11, and 7. Okay. All right. So we have a lot of listeners who are adoptive parents. Mm -hmm. And so I know without knowing you at all, a little bit about your kids and about yeah. your family. Yeah. Dynamic. Yes. So yeah. tell me what it's like now being, you know, you're just a real mom and ordinary mm -hmm. mom, but also an adoptive mom of mm -hmm. three kids in this 
really tricky age anyway of yeah. preteen, teen. What's it like now? What does redemption and blessedness and all of that look like? <laughs> Mom? Oh, goodness. Well, there are some days it looks better than others. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, adoption is a different experience than some people have, although a lot of people have the experience of it. But for the most part, I mean, we're just a very normal family. You know, we struggle and fight over laundry and, you know, kids being too loud. And I mean, just typical stuff. All three of my, they're very different. Sure. Very different. Which Um, is the case with kids in general, but then especially when they have different biologies and different stories and yeah. Yeah. And for us, you know, I know that some of the issues that we face with our kids, it's really taught us that we could always do better. Like we can always try again tomorrow. Hmm. And one thing too, is that like, we don't have to be perfect, but we need to make sure that we're present. And I think that's a struggle for a lot of parents. You know, we get distracted a lot with work and social media. I mean, I mean, distracted a lot, but just making sure that, you know, we're not going to have all the right answers all the time, but at least we're going to help them with answers. You know, like we're not going to be perfect, but we are going to be present. My kids sort of accept adoption differently. My youngest son is just kind of doesn't think it's a big deal. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm not. Yes, you are, sweetie. Our, our <laughs> no, old- I'm not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he just says, I don't know. Our oldest son doesn't really talk about it that often. Every once in a while, our daughter's been more vocal about it. And I think part of that is being a girl as well. For sure, yeah. She's also a very sensitive child and she draws on things emotionally. So you know, she has a lot of deep thoughts about things. So for me, just, it's not, you know, I always try to tell people really after the, the gavel falls and the judge says, okay, this is done. Really the hard part actually starts. Absolutely. That's what I always (laughs) say too. Right now we're in, in healing and family and, and this is Mm -hmm. where the work begins. Yes. Yeah. And it doesn't really stop until I don't think it ever stops actually once you're a parent. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I'm fortunate too because I have a couple of friends who were adopted and um, some of them, actually two of them have recently in the past few years met biological siblings and biological family members. And two of them in particular recently lost a biological parent that they had just sort of started a new relationship with. And so seeing them grieve that is really Good. It's yes. humbling, and I'm not. I'm going to say it's even maybe a little bit scary as a parent sometimes. Oh, but, absolutely. You know? I'm so glad you just um, said that. Yeah. But it's it's good. It's good to see because we have to see it. it yeah, definitely for our we, kids. And you know what? You have the benefit. Some of us. I mean, we have adoption in our family, and so I definitely have that. But some of our friends listening have to be very intentional to hear mm-hmm. adoptee voices. But mm-hmm. I think, like you just said. It needs to happen, whether it Mm -hmm. happens organically because your friends are walking through things or it happens Mm -hmm. because you are searching for any book, any person online that you can listen Mm -hmm. to. We have to be listening to the voices of adoptees because it shifts our perspective from we have this happy, great little family and shouldn't Mm -hmm. everything just be normal and Mm -hmm. to, oh, wait, there are these dichotomies here that aren't here for me that I Mm -hmm. may not even anticipate or expect or understand. Mm -hmm. I think listening to those voices are so important. And what a blessing that you just have it built in like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, adoption, there's always loss in adoption. Yes. Always. Right. And really every 
member of the adoption triad <laughs> loses. Every member. So good. You know, In including us. Yes. <laughs> and that's yes. okay to acknowledge. And, you know, yes. this isn't about us. So we just always remind ourselves it's not about mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. But also, this is our lives and there, mm -hmm. there is for us as well. So good. I'm so, yes. I love that you just said that. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, the, I mean, the truth is that I can never be my children's biological parent. Right. I can never have that shared history with them. There's a lot of things I can do for my kids and I share with my kids. And I'm so thankful to be able to raise them and I love them, but I will never be able to replace that. And yeah. I, I, the truth is I don't want to replace that. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, there, there have been moments throughout this entire time with my kids that really my infertility is like snucked up on me. Like, hmm. Ooh, you know, where I wished, Oh gosh, maybe I really wish I could have carried my children in my body. That. Mm -hmm. I want to be clear, very clear when I say my children in my body, like, mm. like I wish I could have taken my three kids and carried them because there's choices I would have made that I know would have been different. But then I'm like, but then, you know what, that would be taking away from their experience. You know, I think for me, you know, it's more about the adoptees experience. I mean, we obviously have our own stories and we have our own experiences, but it needs to stay about them. And we need to yeah. constantly be reorienting back to that. I mean, we need yeah. to have our spaces and like you and I, I know that this is public and other people are going to hear it, but like, this is our space. We can yeah. sit and talk about this. Like, oh, wow, yeah. we have these kids who we love and they're fully ours, but also they're not fully ours. And there's mm -hmm. this piece that we will never have. And mm -hmm. we need to have our spaces, but then it needs to, okay, so now we can go back to the work of this being about them. Yes. about them being the ones that got entrusted to us, about them being our kids who it's our job to protect, and then mm -hmm. about it really being their story. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, there is a balance there. There have been things that I've written for my blog that I've read and I've pulled. And oh, I'm like, girl. oh, not going to publish that one. I know. And it might be really, it might read really well. And it's something uh, I'm know. really passionate about. And I'm like, you know, that's not a story that's meant to be shared right. with anybody. And right. if it is going to be shared, it's, it needs to be shared by my child. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. There, yep. That's a hard piece of what we're doing because we want to be open books so that we can serve people. Yeah. That is the whole, yeah. I mean, that's why you write. I guess there's yeah. part of it that's our own processing and healing and engaging with God and all sure. that. But it's about serving people. And so the more that yeah. I share about how real and hard this is for me and my kids and the more it serves people, but it needs to be in a way that is protective and yeah. that is ultimately loving towards my child. Cause that's my responsibility. I have a responsibility to use my voice to serve people, mm -hmm. but really I have a responsibility to love my child. Well, mm -hmm. yes, definitely. Yeah, it's a pretty unique little line that yeah. you have to walk, but it's also a blessed line. So yeah, yeah. All right. I want to switch gears. This conversation so good. I feel like we could just keep going in it, mm -hmm. but I want to just talk to you as sure. a person, as a woman, yeah. tell me what you are doing, eating, reading, watching, and listening to. So what are you doing? What's your thing these days? Well, okay. So obviously we've been sort of quarantined. Yeah, what are you although, doing in your house or in your backyard? <laughs> yeah. So Missouri is off of lockdown, okay. but still, they're still suggesting social distancing. And okay. one of our kids has a compromised immune system mm. and pretty severe respiratory problems. Mm. And so we've really just 
still been very limited in what we've done. So we started a fire pit in the backyard. Oh, love it. <laughs> We're building one slowly, but it's been raining for like three years now here. I feel like it. No, it's, it's been raining for about a week straight. It seems like actually we had flooding yesterday, not where we live, but so we were building a fire pit and then my husband sculpts he, with paper mache and he's actually really good wow. <laughs> and he does con concrete work. And so, and he paints, my husband works in child welfare as well, Okay, but he does art stuff. So he's been teaching me how to paint. So that's kind of fun. And it's been a really great way to it. sort of reconnect with him during this yes. time too, you know? Yesterday, I helped him pour concrete. We are making a, it sounds really weird, but we're making a, our mailbox is kind of ugly and old. And so we're making a concrete column pillar with like different shapes of rocks in it to put our mailbox okay. on. All right. Um, I know. Yeah. So well, that's what we're doing. I love, I mean, you're doing things with your hands. And with your husband, yeah. which is just, yeah. that is, I think, probably the most unique part of this time. Like, when yeah. else are you going to be in the backyard building a fire pit? And when else are you going to be pouring concrete with your husband? And that yeah. is the blessed part for those of us who aren't struggling with our health or overly with finances right now. Of Like, yeah. yeah, we have these unique times of connecting with our family. Yes. And our kids love it. They Aww. love helping with the concrete and the paper mache. Well, except for my oldest son, who's 13. He really, you know, he's 13. So, <laughs> so he doesn't love ones, anything. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just exactly. kidding. <laughs> no, it's close. But so it's been a really good way to connect with them as well. Cool. Cool. I love so, it. All right. What are you eating? Pretty much everything right now. It feels sure. like. Right answer. Um, that I've specifically been craving omelets every morning. I don't know what it is. Mushrooms, green peppers, red onions, and jalapenos. Every you know morning. What it is? Omelet. I bet that you very rarely in your life have enough time to make yourself an omelet in the morning. That is true. <laughs> so that is so true. Yeah. So okay. and really on the cooking thing, I've been baking a lot more, trying new recipes. Yeah, it's been good. So fun. All right, what are you reading? So I'm a weird reader. I start books and I set them down for about three weeks, and I come back. So it takes me forever to read a book. Huh. Part of that is time. Yeah. Honestly. So right now I have three books I'm reading. Well, that's slowly. the right answer. There needs to be at least more than one. So yeah. So right now I'm reading Searching for Sunday by Rachel Held Evans. That's good. It's been okay. good. I'm reading Girl Interrupted, which okay, is an yeah. old, old yeah, memoir. I read that years ago. Um, and then there's a fiction book I'm reading called Then Then She Was Gone, which is a thriller about a teenage daughter that it's abducted. And oh, I read that. Too. Is that, that's like a couple years old? Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I read that too. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So you like to dabble in, that's what I do. I always have like one fiction book and then one memoir, one, we've yeah. got the same sort of taste. You got to yeah. have like a little bit of everything so that whatever mm -hmm. you feel like at that moment. <laughs> yes. All yeah. right. What are you watching? Well, we don't have cable. We just do like Netflix, Hulu, Amazon stuff. That's so, what we do. Yeah. Right now, I'm watching, kind of embarrassing, that on YouTube. I love that. For every answer you've given, first of all, you preface with either this is weird or embarrassing. Okay. Um, <laughs> so those are good so, answers. So on YouTube, there is this guy, I think it's like JCS or something, that does these criminal psychology documentaries. They're anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour long where he will show people being the police interviewing them for crimes they've committed and he breaks it down by their okay. body language. Oh my gosh. 
and it's all like true stories. Yeah. And I mean, we watched a bunch of things like that on Netflix. Like we watched the confession tapes. Yes. And I yeah, think and stuff they, like they were all, what's the word I'm looking for? Like not accurate confessions, like people confessing to yes. crimes they didn't commit. Yes. And just how really yeah. anyone can be persuaded to, oh my gosh, it's so terrifying. It is. It is. We yeah. watched that and we were like kids. Here's the rule. If you ever get in trouble, the first, like we're teaching our like yes. five-year-old, the yes. first words are, I need a lawyer. I mean, and we're yes. like, okay, now practice. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So I've been watching that and it's been really interesting because, you know, I'll, I'll watch the interview and the way that the person will answer the person that does the, the YouTube channel, he'll pause it. Yeah. He'll talk about the different, like the rise in her vocal tone or the way she's holding her chin and what that suggests oh my gosh. from like a body language expert. Can it's you imagine real- living life with that guy? That would be terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it would be. And I did just watch the murder and mercy of the story of Centoya Brown oh, on gosh. Netflix. That yeah. was really good. And really, I mean, that had everything that we deal with in child welfare. It sure. Had- sure. Even generational trauma, mm. you know, substance abuse. I mean, social justice issues. I mean, you name it. That was really, really good. I haven't watched that, but I have to. That sounds yeah. that's great. All right. What are you listening to? Okay. So listening to, it depends on what I'm doing. When I write, I don't really have an office in my house that's my own. So I write at my bar in the kitchen, which is like the worst place to write. It's oh, like I know. Grand Central Station. Right. So I'll put on headphones and I like to listen to worship music when I write. Awesome. What are you listening to? What's your favorite right now? I usually just put on Hillsong Worship on Pandora Mm. and just let it flip around. Around the house, when we're doing stuff, I like Snow Patrol, Modest Mouse. So kind of mellow, happy music, really. Sure. Best, yeah. Cool. Well, all of that is on my my listening. So we've got that in common, too. All right, Caroline, can you tell anyone who wants to find you where they can find you? Sure. So on Facebook, my page is Barons Blessed. And then my blog name is also Barons Blessed. We're going to hear Barons Blessed <laughs> over and over. A lot. Yeah. So, and then on Instagram, it's Barons Blessed, but I also think it might show up as Caroline Bailey. I've seen it seen twice, so I don't really know for sure on that one. All right. We'll find it. We'll tag yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Caroline, this has been so great. Thank you just for your sort of no holds bar. Like I'm going to lay it all out and open up your heart and story to us. I mean, I think that title describes a lot of our conversation today of just like the redemption through it and the hard parts and then how God uses it. And Mm -hmm. I really appreciate that about you, about your writing and about just what you've shared with us today. So thank you so much for that. It was great to connect with you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Real Mom Podcast. You can find us in all the places, realmompodcast.com for our landing page, where we'll connect you to the guests and all the links and info from this episode. On Facebook, search Real Mom Podcast, and on Instagram, at Real Mom Podcast. Thanks for listening.